Part one official, Adai Mara has officially left Zaragoza, and he's on his way to an American university. Why is that important? We all know why it's important. Let's get giddy here on Locked On UCLA. You are Locked On UCLA, your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On UCLA podcast. I'm your host, Zach Anderson Yoxheimer. Thanks for making this episode your first listen each every day. It's free wherever you get your podcast, and it's available on YouTube. Like, comment, and subscribe. In the meantime, become an everyday or the Locked On UCLA podcast because big news like the one that just dropped for UCLA Hoops is going to be coming out a little more on the regular. And football fall camp started. We're not going to really touch football today, but the more and more things develop, once you can get more access, get more things to talk about, we'll get to some good talking points about football. A year from now, Big Ten life, this is nuts. Lots of changes coming for UCLA. Most importantly, as I mentioned from the beginning of the podcast, Adai Mara announced on his own Instagram page that he is leaving his team, his basket zitter, goes to the team, and he is going on his way to play at an American university, his words, not mine. So this is what it says. It has been a difficult decision because I am leaving home. I am moving away from my parents, my family, and my friends, all for one reason, to be able to combine my personal and academic development at an American university with my sports development at the highest level. Mick Cronin already said in the previous week that at the end of July, that two new recruits were going to be officially announced as UCLA Bruins this first week of August. They've got the new coaching changes with George Tin, with Jovanovich, with Taylor, all going through a variety of roles, one replacing Samovich, the other one replacing Samovich's international uh, recruiting uh, abilities, another one just adding to the roster of coaches. Now the Bruins are officially or beginning to finalize the official parts of bringing players into their roster while it's been the worst kept secret these last few weeks, arguably last month, maybe since April, as we've been talking about it here in locked on UCLA. I Mara, one of the many secret European recruits, the Bruins have been going after the seven, three center who I discussed a few weeks ago in certain NBA draft mock drafts for 2024, a year from now, a little less than a year from now, he's flirting with potential NBA lottery ability in what is deemed as a weak draft class going into next year's NBA draft. Yet Mara still stands out as a guy with a bit, good passing big man. He can shoot a little bit, play some good defense. And 7-3, who's not going to like a Spaniard who's 7-3 coming over, getting some comparisons to a Pau Gasol in some senses, in, in some comparisons to former NBA bigs, right? So Mara, who had to deal with the contract situation, we've been waiting for this. It was maybe... Uh, I think predicted by various sites at the end of July, maybe early August, that we'd hear something that Morrow would be able to leave. I believe that was Bruin Report saying we probably wouldn't hear anything until middle of August, a uh, middle of July, excuse me, late July, because he had to deal with the contract. But he was going to be able to get out of it because he can get released, wants to go play probably a year of college basketball at UCLA. That's not official, but he, he would like to play at UCLA. And then he would go and probably declare to the NBA draft, 
as many of these European guys may do, or they may stick around for a year or more, which means UCLA is going to have quite the duo up front. Adem Bona recovering from the shoulder injury. He's not going to be going to Spain for the European exhibition games. I would believe Mara is at this point, considering he just got announced, might get into that summer session, which is why the official announcement is key. If he can get into that second UCLA summer session, because they're in the quarter system, they could potentially ship him back to Spain and then go play exhibition games as the Bruins get their roster together. But what does this overall recruiting class look like for 2023? It's not often. This recruiting year for college basketball has been so interesting. Teams, top-tier teams, top-level talents, still debating whether they're going to go to the G League, still debating which player, where they want to go, transferring while reclassifying as Marcus Adams Jr. did. He's not specific to UCLA other than he didn't want to go to the Bruins, choosing Kansas, then transferring to Gonzaga. But for UCLA to fill two roster spots this late in the game, and I know it's a little different because of the international recruiting, but the fact that it's early August and we still don't have a full roster available to us, and there's multiple players about to be announced, Mara and then Burke Bouillon-Tunchel are the expectations as the two players who will be announced as Bruins. Not officially yet, but that is the expectation coming very, very soon. Going off those guys... UCLA has a nearly impossible class to target in terms of how do you rate these guys? We get so fascinated with pre-rankings, pre-college rankings, stars, everything in between. And I talked about in an episode, you can go back to Locked On UCLA, go up to that episode tab and click on it. UCLA might actually have the best class, the best recruiting class for 2023. Helps that you've got seven freshmen Quite a few four stars in Sebastian Mack, Devin Williams, Brandon Williams, and Ilan Fible. And that's just based on the guys who are actually rated. You can't forget that Mara isn't rated by many sites because he's an international recruit. You've got Vide, who's not necessarily rated, or Buyang Tuchel, who's not necessarily rated. Three guys who we might all be hyped about for various aspects coming to UCLA, who for UCLA already the number three recruiting class in the Pac-12 coming in. On different sites, they're ranked as high as 13th in the country for their 23 class. They could be top 15 based on the on threes, the rivals, the 24-7 sports. And that's without different guys being ranked. And Vide is a Slovenian point guard who is a three-star. So there's a lot of talent that is not getting truly valued based on sites. I know there's been a lot of players, a lot of guys deeper into college basketball, John Rothstein, who gives a lot of love to UCLA, it seems like almost every year, talk about Mick Cronin being super consistent. The Bruins have arguably one of the more exciting classes coming in. But Mick Cronin talked about it in his most recent interview on the PMS radio show about how it's a little different to sleep easier before a road Pac-12 game. We've got fourth year, maybe a fifth year senior in Tiger Campbell, Hawkins Jr. going to play these big time road games and then they become, as Hawkins did, a first-round NBA draft pick. While you've got the talent, uh, a different level of basketball IQ that Mick Cronin's bringing in with these guys, top to bottom, in just this 23 class alone, there will be growing pains. This UCLA team can maybe surpass all our wildest expectations, which is why it's so hard to pinpoint them as a clear-cut national championship contender right away, but they've got the talent, they've got us excited, We just haven't seen these guys ever play together. And with the youth movement 
with a couple of coaching changes, three new coaching roles with the additions of coaching spots because of the new NCAA rule. There's just a lot of moving parts for this UCLA roster with a recruiting class that could very well be the top five, top recruiting class in the country, despite not necessarily getting that five-star guy. Mick Cronin talked about this philosophy. You can get a five-star guy. You can go get Mara who very well could be a five-star recruit if you actually gave him stars. He could be a lottery pick, but you also need the guys who can develop year after year, which is why the class of 24 was highlighted by Eric Freeney, the first UCLA commit for next year's uh, next year's class. Eric Freeney, only a three-star, but a guy that can grind it out as UCLA maybe goes after more international recruits and will probably stay there more than one year. When players have this mindset, this focus of winning a national championship, more team-oriented basketball, as opposed to five-star guys who might want to stay there for a year and leave and might try to get their own. That didn't necessarily happen with an Amari Bailey, even with an Adembona, but the Bruins have a lot of excitement. Mara, who hasn't officially been announced as a Bruin, nor Buyan Tunchel, hopefully we're saying those names correctly. We're going to get a very quick class on how to say those names once they put them on the site for UCLA. We're excited. The Bruins have finally brought together this puzzle piece. Not full picture, every T crossed, every I dotted, yet we're excited. The Bruins will be a very exciting team. I can't wait to see how it plays out in Maui. I can't wait to see how they go play at Villanova when they're playing the, the rumor matchup that hasn't been fully announced, the North Carolina that we expect to be in the CBS Sports Champions Classic game or whenever and whenever that will be. And then we haven't even seen the Pac-12 slates that we're all expecting to come out pretty soon in September with all these exciting games, two against USC with Collier and Bronny James, a Bruins team that has taken us nearly four months to ask questions about who is coming back, and yet we still have a high level of excitement, a lot of question marks, good question marks, and we won't know for another three months as to how this will all piece together until game one comes around. Uh, It'll be a few weeks before they go to Spain, but then we'll get a clearer picture, especially with Bona out, how this team might play together moving forward just from the exhibition games and practice time alone added by the exhibition games. Mars leaving Zaragoza, waiting for Buyan Tunchel and Mara to be announced officially, everything in between. But those should be coming very, very, very soon within, and if not by the end of the week, very soon. I would be shocked if that hasn't happened by August 3rd, maybe August 4th, compared to the recording of this podcast. Speaking of fun basketball moments, UCLA is moving to the Big Ten, which maybe leaves some wiggle room for to renew some rivalries lost in the Pac-12, maybe gain some new ones by moving to the Big Ten, Who are some fun men's basketball rivals the Bruins could have in a home-and-home series just on some hypotheticals moving forward? We're going to talk about all that and more on Locked On UCLA. Well, every potential new hire seems like a high-stakes wager if you're a small business, right? All these new potential new hires, you don't want to be worrying about it. You want to be 100% certain. Mick Cronin, just like his recruiting game, wants to be 100% certain about the guys he's bringing in. So does Chip Kelly. Which is why if you're hiring manager, if you're hiring for a small business, you want to go to LinkedIn Jobs, who helps you find the right people faster and for free. Screening questions helps makes it easy to focus on getting the right candidates that you not only want to hire, but interview. So you don't waste your time during the interviewing process with people who don't have the right skills or the experience that you're looking for. 
Small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find those quality candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Second segment for the Locked On UCLA podcast, Zach Anderson, Yoxheimer with you guys. Just kind of throwing out so many words, blah, 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 here in the early August. Getting super excited about UCLA's recruiting class with Mara leaving Zaragoza. Now, moving forward, maybe fully pulling away from all this roster and coaching news until everything's fully announced. I saw an article on CBS Sports which brought together an idea in my brain. It was listed, dribble handoff, put it put together by David Cobb, also written and posted on CBS Sports on August 2nd. Kansas and North Carolina, they're having a home-and-home home series. It was announced about a week ago. That's coming in 2024 and 2025. Those two teams have played one true home-slash-road game against each other on campus showdown. Now it's back, I believe, as the article puts it, in the 1960s between Kansas and in North Carolina. Only one time between those two teams who have played 12 times has a game come on campus between Kansas and North Carolina, which made me think, what's this battle of the Blue Bloods model, right? As what's put in quotes in the CBS Sports model. Who would UCLA move on in the future? And who would we love to see in a home-and-home environment for UCLA? Well, initially, it's kind of regional, so we're going to start with this. UCLA, Arizona. And I know Arizona is getting rumored to maybe move to the Big 12, get out of the Pac-12, whatever that means. Maybe this could change when you have the Big 10, Big 12, or Big 10 SEC challenge, right, when they're going to have these crazy super challenges and having a home-and-home for the TV packages. But for now, UCLA is going to lose this longstanding college basketball rivalry with Arizona, not going to get to go to the McHale Center, they're not going to come to Poly Pavilion. As we've seen in a lot of years recently, they haven't, they've been playing a lot in the Pac-12 tournament championship games in, the, in Vegas, acting as a third chapter, a third part of the trilogy for exciting battles between these two schools who have played at least six times these last two years, all very exciting or meaningful matchups between the two teams. So one, you would think a home-and-home home between UCLA, at least an alternating home-and-home home at some sort, between the Bruins and Wildcats has to be on the minds between Tommy Lloyd and Mick Cronin, especially this is what the article points out. Another thought was, all right, take out former conference slash geographic rivals. Beyond that, you've got UCLA Gonzaga, who's had now at least three epic games in the NCAA tournament. Heartbreak City, Jalen Suggs, the most recent Sweet 16 battle in March of 2023. Why not have these two schools go and play in, in their various home gyms, right? You could go play up in Spokane. You can go play in Poly Pavilion, right? And in the MacArthur Center, you, you've got all, all these, I believe it's MacArthur Center. I could be butchering that. That's My brain's all over the place. But you can go play at Gonzaga. You can go play at UCLA. Kentucky didn't even play in Gonzaga's home arena. They played in a separate arena for more seats. UCLA would be more fun to go play at Gonzaga, see the Zags come to UCLA, see Few and Crone and go back and forth as kind of great college basketball minds one another. Why not get a UCLA-Gonzaga series going, right? Who knows where Gonzaga is going to move to in the future? Are they at WCC bound forever? Or are they soon to leap 
and jump for a much bigger conference because of their basketball, you know, their basketball legendary status over these last decade, two decades, based on what they've done in college basketball. One other one, you wonder who could UCLA play that would be a fun home and home. I know it wouldn't maybe work, but I'd love to see UCLA and Duke go at it. You know, they play North Carolina and all that. Why UCLA going to Cameron Indoor, UCLA going to Duke or having Duke come here? And I know there's been various rules about what certain public UCs or even Cal States, they can't go to certain states and play games based on different rules, right? Um, we'll kind of get a little political there. But UCLA, Duke going to play home-and-home games, why not go to Cameron Indoor? Why not have Duke come to UCLA and have that? That would be super awesome if that could happen with John Shire as the head coach. You know, maybe that they're not afraid to go play a home and home. UCLA and Duke, who wouldn't love to see two iconic programs battling it out? I know Kentucky would be awesome, but the Bruins in Kentucky have already proven they'll go play each other, and that's happened already. UCLA and Duke, though, that's something I would love to see going to Cameron Indoor, bring them to Poly, and I think that would sell out immediately with crazy environments, regardless of the seasons the two teams are having, it would probably be one of the epic blue blood battles you could have, maybe in a future ACC Big Ten battle, if the ACC still even exists as a conference then, between these two teams. Maybe Duke joins the Big Ten, and the Big Ten is just one of two conferences we have, and they just split off into many divisions. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. Yet, that's my list. UCLA-Arizona rekindling a former conference rivalry once UCLA leaves. You've got UCLA-Gonzaga based on recent March Madness history. And then UCLA-Duke get that cross-country rivalry and get the whole nation's eyes on two iconic programs battling against one another. Those are my three ideas based off the CBS Sports article written by Mr. Cobb, David Cobb, talking about, hey, who could be some of the games that college basketball would love to see between programs across the country, more just than the regional aspect, but battling in a home-and-home one long trip. UCLA's going to Villanova this year. Why can't we just add Duke in that in years down the line? All right? Why can't we make that happen? Let's make it happen. You know, everything else aside, let's just put the game ahead of it. Let's get these two teams to play a game that's not on some lame neutral court atmosphere in Vegas, New York, or Atlanta. Not that the games aren't as fun. Let's go play at these iconic venues and play to win for the better for the betterment of the game and for the fans. That, that's just my thought about it. All right, I'm done rambling. I'm done going off on tangents. We're going to wrap up Locked on UCLA today. And what we're going to talk about is from August 2nd, the day of the recording of this podcast, to the next year, 2024, is when UCLA and SC will be heading into the Big Ten. I keep bringing up more and more things. LA Times wrote another great article about how UCLA and SC are preparing even more so. And there's more figures about what UCLA's diving in, inputting, getting input from athletes. What are they going to pour in financially just to make this happen? Will it be worth it? All that and more coming up next on Locked on UCLA. Just a day in the average Big Ten life, a year from now in 2024, when hopefully we're still here having me host the show. Maybe you like me. Maybe you've hated me. I've said something dumb about the football team or the basketball team. I don't know. Whatever. Hopefully you're still entertained a year from now that we take this journey into Big Ten life together on Locked On UCLA. And maybe the Pac-12 might be dead. RIP Pac-12 conference. Who knows what's going to happen. I talked recently in the last episode about 
different things that UCLA has been going, getting surveys, input from their student athletes, specifically from their non-men's basketball or basketball and football athletes. And overall, what are they trying to do? UCLA is potentially, and they're committed to spending as much as $10.3 million a year to enhance their support in nutrition, mental health, and academic tutoring to get more chartered flights, minimize time away from schools as they go to the Midwest and East Coast just to play in the Big Ten Conference, considering this media deal could bring UCLA anywhere between 65 to $75 million based on projections from the media rights deal. Put in this LA Times article, which is written by Ben Bolch, and posted earlier this morning on August 2nd. So those are big factoids, right? You're going to get the 65 maybe $75 million, best case scenario, if you're going on projections, while you throw a little chump change towards Cal based on the decision by the UC Regents getting frustrated at UCLA moving. And I know that there's the rumor, the extra rumor, that the Big Ten might expand to 18 to 20 teams, bringing in Oregon and Washington, and even throwing some crumbs over to the NorCal schools, right? Or based on rumors that have just been swirling around the internet today. And I thought I might throw a crumb at that, right? The Big Ten might even go to 20 a week after they said they're not looking at expansion, but the Pac-12 is crumbling because Colorado left. And now the Big Ten might just be the Big Ten West might just be the former Pac-12 or half of it. All that aside, just think UCLA is going to spend $10.3 million plus just to make sure all these athletes can get the mental health, the nutrition, and the academic help that they need while trying to make the 65 to $75 million per year. How do you get the traveling minimized while also maximized and enhanced with chartered flights for every sport? All the athletes were given a chance, especially at UCLA, to give some feedback to Martin Germond about what request is too much. There is no idea as a request that was too much based on this article saying – what do you need to be a successful athlete? What are we not providing if you're a Big Ten athlete compared to here at UCLA looking at other schools across the Big Ten? And outside of football and basketball, a lot of these athletes don't get meals when it's outside of a game day or a breakfast and a lunch. Or the meals aren't all the time or aren't always perfect for other sports. And if you go to much smaller schools, they're not getting as much food as the other schools and Power 5 schools are. And the Big Ten, the SEC, all these bigger conference schools in terms of their focus on athletics and the student-athlete, they make sure they are getting the premium food, a lot of food, just everything to a T. And while you would think UCLA is already there, they're still leaps and bounds behind trying to grow to get to Pac-12 good and great. Well, they're probably fine, but then there's a whole lot of other sports, the Olympic sports, that are going to get affected based on the increased travel maybe in worse competition for baseball and softball and think about it, all the other sports that still have to go compete and play a cross-country tennis match, as one of the articles I read yesterday joked about between USC and Rutgers in the middle of the week, right? How is that going to work? But there's so much that UCLA is putting in and that there was even the idea UCLA has thrown around to changing their quarter system into a semester system, right? we've seen a little bit of a pushback moving away from quarter systems into the semester system, how big 10 schools largely go on a big, on a semester system. How much would that help? If you think about the quarter system, you miss a class, you're missing so much material in a week. If you're in the semester system, it's a much slower pace and can help you academically 
and make it a little bit easier to be a student athlete and miss some classes and catch up right away. I was a college graduate. I took the semester system, and I would say the semester system is so much better than the quarter system based on having done that from earlier childhood. And at the speed and the rate at college that you're going through the quarter system, some people love it. It favors and helps some other you know, students better. But I just think if you're a student athlete, who wouldn't be in favor of being in the semester system? And there's the idea that you can get more classes, get more done in the quarter system quicker, get a lot more classes within a year, get done in four years, three and a half years, maybe two and a half years, as some might do in some crazy academic, you know, super overachiever. But, you know, the UCLA's even floated around completely changing their academics. Colorado did something similar, maybe not too crazy, but adding majors, bringing in Dion, only to go back to the Big 12, where there's less academic standards necessarily being in the Pac-12. And they've changed their complete academics. And while UCLA might not add or let in and lower the standards academically, they're slowly trying to figure out how do you prepare? Because if you're failing to prepare, you're preparing to fail, as the article quotes the late, great John Wooden, the UCLA men's basketball goats for coaching, dominance, basketball dominance, everything. UCLA's putting in the time. They're trying to figure out what's going to make them work, what's going to make them stand apart. They've had two years. They will have two years to figure it out in Almost a lot of college athletics is crumbling behind. One of my buddies texted me today and said, hey, look at all this stuff that's happening in college, in the college athletics, from the top to the bottom. That's happening because USC and UCLA wanted to get a quick buck. And he's a, he's a broadcaster in, in the college football world um, and really likes to da- analyze these things. And while you don't want to say UCLA was trying to make a quick buck or SC and all that, think about how much from a Texas-Oklahoma decision – to UCLASC saying, hey, we're not going to get left behind. And now how everything, the walls have come crumbling down based on those decisions alone, just those four schools, and even the two schools, even UCLA making and committing to moving to the Big Ten. It's one thing if SC did it and they brought someone else, but USC and UCLA moving away from the geographics, playing their local rivals no more, at least in a conference setting, and completely changing and focusing their their commitment to athletics and academics while trying to grow overall, make more money, account for deficits, and become a premier athletic institution in addition to their academic standards. Not that they're already bad enough with the amount of national championships that UCLA's won. But for some reason, the Bruins have felt, and it just seems like this with the UCLA community, that, you know, community, I should say, that they've fallen quote-unquote, on hard times. They won a couple of national championships this year, competed for national championships, were battling in some premier competition in other sports. But there's something that feels like UCLA's been left. And it doesn't seem like that should be the case, which is why this move is so monumental in this day and age, right? There's been little moves over UCLA's history, such as the move from the Coliseum to the Rose Bowl, everything in between, one of the bigger moves in football, But this move, a year from now, there's going to be nothing like it. And and all of college athletics is feeling the domino effects, initially from Texas and Oklahoma. Not that there haven't been other moving schools and moving conferences already, but USC and specifically UCLA 
have really tripped everybody up. And with the amount of money going around for media rights deals and TVs, the Apple Plus TV deal or whatever, going for the Pac-12, the streaming idea, which might crumble the Pac-12, all that and more has led UCLA to put themselves in a good spot as they prepare to maybe completely change from a quarter to a semester and all the money they're going to commit in the future just on the student-athlete alone. It's wild to think about, and you sometimes have to take a step back. It's a good move. It makes sense. But what are we losing while this is happening? And those are all things, the positives and the negatives, the negatives, the pros and cons list that you always have to think about when you make some new move, some life change, some humongous decision-making, which is made at the top by UCLA leadership that you have to really put into full this full idea, you know, the Venn diagram. What's good in the middle, here and here on the sides? Those are all important things and factors to think about. And the Bruins think they are on their way, and I believe they're on their way to something important. We're going to lose something. Something in the Pac-12 probably might be the thing that we lose as a part of it if that eventually crumbles, if not on the way to already doing so. I know Paul Feinbaum thinks so. A lot of people think so. But overall, UCLA made the move they had to do. And a year from now, we get to see what the new life looks like. And I cannot wait for better or for worse, which is why you should become an everyday listener, an everydayer of the Locked On UCLA podcast. Get your hands up, Bruins fans. Eight clap time, baby. I'm Zach Anderson, your Oxheimer, signing off. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. U-C-L-A. UCLA fight, fight, fight. Stay tuned for more UCLA basketball announcements coming up in the following days, following episodes, and UCLA football. Hey, fall camp started. The excitement for quarterback battles have just begun. Listen to more Locked on UCLA episodes. I'm signing off. Go Bruins.